Brian, we're live, brother. <laughs> Brian Arpy, how you doing? I'm good. I see the red flashing light. It's good to be here with you. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Thanks for joining joining in. This is still my kind of second interview episode and the first one I'm doing um, digitally. So, uh, so yeah. So thanks for bearing with. And, you know, you are a bit of a guinea pig in the, on this platform. So appreciate that, man. Um, so, look, before we kind of kick things off, I, um, I'm, I'm just going to give a quick kind of overview of of, of Brian Arpey because he, he is a very humble man and I just want to make sure um, that his highlights are encompassed in, in the intro and obviously I'm going to ask you about your story as well Brian. Um, so what many people you know probably don't know about me um, you know my listeners and my readers and so on um, I've only been I've only started kind of putting out content in the last kind of two years uh, while while I've been living in um, in London and 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 now more recently back in Australia. Prior to that, um, I was I was pursuing higher education over in Boston in the United States, and this is where I met uh, Brian Arpey. Um, so Brian Arpey is many things. He was my former roommate, and probably one of the most interesting people I have met in during that time in. Um, uh, in the States and probably this, the guy with the broadest skill set as well. So Brian is a chess player, a ranked chess player in the U S of a former ranked chess player, Brian, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, a professional poker player at one point. Um, he is a software engineer working on a startup. What's your startup called Brian? Allo.ai. Yeah. Allo.ai. Yep. And yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> he is a amazing musician. He's a, the sickest guitarist. And right, he no, also, no, no way, bro. <laughs> he, he, he can speak, he can sing, he can sing songs in Spanish as well as English. And probably most impressive to me is you taught yourself how to speak Chinese and you taught yourself how to speak Spanish. These are self-taught, like, that blows my mind. Anyway, super impressive, Brian. Um, can you can you probably take two minutes to to you know give your version of the story? What's your story, brother? Sure. Um, so I grew up in uh, suburbs, lower middle mm-hmm. class. Uh, I was good at school. Uh, I was really good at Call of Duty. Uh, <laughs> I actually used to do like the MLG stuff in high school and um, I had a clan and I sort of figured out that um, there was this niche in the market that was untapped. It was uh, radar on search and destroy. No one really played this except really bad teams. So I built a clan and that's all we played. And we went 102 wins and two losses. And then one afternoon we lost. Yeah. Call of Duty 4. Oh, okay. Uh, yep. And uh, then we lost two <laughs> games in a row, and I got so upset that I, uh, I deleted the clan and I stopped playing Call of Duty. So then I had to find <laughs> something else <laughs> to obsess over. Yeah. And uh, naturally, I found various things. Uh, I skateboarded for a few years. Um, got really, really into that. Um, 
I mean, I could do basic things like kick flips, 180 kick flips, 180 mm -hmm. back front, um, nollies, uh, simple things maybe. <laughs> yep. Um, and then I went through university. And in during university, I had a lot of free time. Yeah. And I wasn't skateboarding anymore and I wasn't playing Call of Duty anymore. So lo and behold, I had to find something. Mm -hmm. And so I found Spanish. Uh, right. I dated a Cuban woman who I didn't know was Cuban until I met her. And mm -hmm. I said, you know what? I'm going to learn Spanish because you speak Spanish. So <laughs> I... That's motivation. <laughs> I, I obsessed over Spanish and I, I would like to say I'm fluent today. Um, my, my wife is Mexican, so... Um, get together with her family a lot and it's all we speak Spanish. Mm. Uh, but after, after that relationship died down and, and I was still cons consistently learning Spanish, I, I was thinking, you know, learning languages is a lot of fun. <clears throat> it's also mm -hmm. really challenging. So what's a really challenging, fun language to learn? And I picked Mandarin Chinese. Mm. Um, but uh, I also decided I wanted to learn how to write and read in Mandarin or well, in Chinese traditional mm. and, simplified script so mm. that was a big undertaking and it's still an undertaking uh these things all these things i've named uh, you never really reach mastery in other words uh they're they're just a constant climbing up a hill mm. um so after that i got a job um been working for a few startups uh at one point was in boston working for an analytics startup, um, machine learning analytics startup with REIT. Well, not with REIT. I was just living with REIT. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, how'd you get involved in like, in some of this other stuff? Like, um, like yes. you, you're, you're an above, you're a way above average guitar player. Uh, you, you oh, I did leave poker. things out. <laughs> you, you played poker professionally and you were ranked chess player like how how did you firstly like i don't even know there's a um you know a a ranking in chess right a national oh, ranking yeah. so how like yeah. let's start there how did you how did you get involved in chess oh, okay so once i got to university again no longer yeah. skateboarding no longer playing call of duty um before i started learning spanish uh would play in the common area of the school chess and mm. there was a uh my friend, uh, Derek Chong, who would constantly beat me, and it drove me mad. So I said, you know what? I'm going to buy a bunch of books on chess, and I'm going to beat you mm. when I come back from winter break. And <laughs> came back from winter break, and I smashed him. And I was like, hmm, Well, you read these, you obsess over these books in chess? Primarily, yeah. I just learned from people who wrote books who have gone through this process before, and mm. I was wondering how hard is it to be a master is like, you know, how hard could that really be? And by mm. master, you can mean one of two things. You could be nationally ranked master or you could be a internationally ranked master. So right. I learned there were, you know, two playing fields <clears throat> and, you know, I never reached master. I'm ranked class a and the rankings go class D C B a expert and then master. Um, mm. I've beaten a couple experts, uh, drawn against a master. So, so what, what level are you on? Are you, are you expert at chess? You would say? 
I personally would put myself as as in the expert, but uh, based on my rating, I'm class A technically. So you're a master. You're a chess master. No, I'm not a master. I'm class A. Oh, okay. That's beneath. <laughs> That's below. That's yeah, below, below expert. Below, okay, gotcha. Below expert. Gotcha. Yeah. Right. Okay. Have you seen um, Have you seen this documentary on Netflix about Bobby Fischer? No, I haven't. Uh, no, I do know quite a bit out, about man. Bobby it's Fischer. A, uh, sorry, say that again. I, I do know quite a bit about Bobby Fischer already. You do. Um, okay. Yeah, it's it's a sick documentary. I reckon you'll enjoy it. But um, yeah, I guess for those who don't know, Bobby Fischer is is correct me if I'm wrong. One of the greatest chess players to ever have lived, right? Correct. Um, yeah, absolutely. He was He's amazing. He was, he was undefeated, or maybe defeated once in in chess, like in his in his entire career. Is that correct? Uh, no, he's had his his bouts. Of, you know, he's had his bouts. Draws. Okay. Um, okay. Well, look, this this documentary is basically it's more about his kind of personal life and how chess um, had a had a part to play in that. Um, but yeah, man, you got to be careful with uh, with chess, especially apparently because because it's apparently it's not uncommon with like you know mo- like the top of the top mastery of chess. You know. It's, they, the the people on that level, uh, you know, they have a tendency to, uh, to think in a certain way where they're always kind of obviously forward thinking and, you know, um, kind of overthinking things is what this kind of documentary is portraying. And for that reason, Bobby Fisher went a bit kind of, uh, mental at, at the end of his been. Yeah, to the bin at, at the end of his uh, end of his career. Um, is that a thing? Like, do you do you know any kind of you know people you've come across in that chess world to be a little bit like you know on the verge of being on the bin? Uh, uh, a lot of introverts. <laughs> a lot of All people right. obsessed with the game and yeah. ignoring things like personal hygiene. Really? What? Sociability. Uh, chess, I would like to think, is a pretty small community, uh, at least uh, like in the Northeast, uh, the chess mm. community. You play at any of the local tournaments, you see the same faces. Um, really? You know, some characters. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. There's a lot of characters yeah, yeah. in chess. And yeah. to me, that uh, was always kind of like a warning sign that... Uh, uh, best not get too obsessed with this game. Uh, yeah, this guy went loopy, dude. I'm telling you, like, he literally, um, yeah, he just kind of, you know, went off the rails into, like, conspiracy theories and stuff and, you know, um, just kind of was spent a lot of his life just paranoid that people were kind of, um, you know, against him and, you know, trying to take him out and, you know, the Russians trying to bomb him. Or I don't know, I don't know what, I don't know, what exactly went through his mind, but yeah, it was pretty, pretty kind of intense stuff that he, that he was being made. He became very political and very like left, a very left field kind of political. Yeah. Not absolutely. left wing, left um, field. So I should clarify. It, um, right. But yeah, it's interesting. Check it out. It should be on Netflix. Just, um, I think it's called the world against Bobby Fisher. Okay. I know. I definitely yeah. will. I didn't know it went that deep. Okay. Yeah. Um, Okay, so can, can you share a little bit more about like, um, 
Well, a couple of things. So firstly, you know, with all these different things that you were kind of involved in, so is, and, and, you know, when I, at least when I had met you, you had some level of, you know, if not mastery, then expertise over, over some of this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just want to ask you, like, how, how do you kind of manage your time uh, effectively enough that you can, you can kind of fit all of this and, and, and just be so super productive to be like, you know, uh, expert level at, at some of these things? Uh, is it, do you, do you kind of split it out in phases? Like, did you have phases in your life when you're obsessed with certain things um, and those phases kind of move forward into other things? Or was there ever a time where you wake up in the morning and spend X amount of time on um, speak, you know, learning Chinese, another Y percent amount of time on learning Spanish, another, you know, another hour or two on guitar and another hour or two on chess is it how how did you kind of go about it so i guess there there have been a couple of different approaches um throughout my life there have been the times where i've created a schedule for myself and i sat down in front of a chinese book for 45 minutes and practiced writing characters over and over or practice grammar or this or that um but while I did this to myself, it wasn't necessarily the most enjoyable way to go about, um, like you say, say um, create, uh, gaining an expertise on these various topics. Mm-hmm. To me, to me, it was about replacing all these activities that I started to realize were quote unquote wasting time mm-hmm. with activities that were like gaining or creating some expertise in a field and being productive in it and enjoying it at the same time. Mm. Um, Number one example. What made you, what, like, as in, where'd you find the motivation to kind of, you know, replace, you know, quote unquote, unproductive activities into, and, and, you know, replace them with like productive habits. How, like, where did you find that motivation? Was there, was there a trigger? Was there, you know, or was it just kind of innate? Uh, really tough to think about um, a trigger point, but there was definitely some awareness that went involved. There was involved in this. There was an awareness that uh, I could spend the next, I, I could turn the TV on and find a Netflix uh, television show that, that I enjoy yeah. But then I realized, chances are, I'm not going to get off the couch for the next two, maybe two and a half hours. And then it's going to be so late that I'm going to be tired. I'm going to go to bed. So let me just not turn the TV on at all. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Being, being a little bit more aware about my, my tendencies, my habits, mm. and purposely avoiding those. Mm, so if I'm not mm. going to sit in front of the TV and, or, and turn it on and, and watch something, what the hell am I going to do? Mm, mm. <laughs> and, yeah. and then the, the question of where that motivation comes from, and that's the hardest one because I think it's obvious that my motivations have been changing rapidly mm. the past 15 years, mm-hmm, going mm-hmm. from one thing to the other. And like, I'm not, a, I'm not obsessively reading chess books right now. I still play right. chess. I still play bullet uh, chess on my phone in my spare time. Um, but mm it's 
sort of this naturally changing, where am I going to get my creative outlet of something that I want to master? Mm. And that, that's pretty important too. There has to be this idea that you will and you can become an expert or potentially become a master mm. Mm. in mm. whatever it is you're doing. So interesting, dude. So it's like, it, it wasn't really a motivation. It was more of an outlet. It was more of a release is what you're saying. Absolutely. But when mm. you're doing it, it's so, uh, you could say addicting <laughs> or satisfying. I like to yeah, say satisfying. Yeah. Because yeah, you dude, see I, I your can, growth. I can imagine the same way, you know, this, I, I guess the same way for me, um, you know, I tend to upset, not obsess, but I definitely get a sense of accomplishment or, um, you know, a, 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 yeah, a sense of productivity from, from going to the gym. Like I could quite easily, you know, uh, on a weekend, Saturday morning, whatever it is, sit in front of the TV and watch two hours of uh, a movie or a reality show, which would change no perspective in my life. I'm not saying a gym would give me a massive paradigm shift, but a session in, uh, a session, you know, a fitness session will definitely kind of, you know, you're, you're putting your, you're putting yourself through difficulty. And I think once you put yourself through that difficulty and you come out the other end, there's without fail going to be a feeling of accomplishment. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Yeah, so like, you know, first thing you do when you wake up in the morning is, is, you know, just watch TV before work. Uh, as opposed to uh, the first thing you do is wake up um, and, you know, in the first 30 minutes, get, get yourself to the gym um, and, and, you know, just do a couple of hard sets. I think definitely you will get more of a sense of accomplishment from the latter, which will, which will, which is momentum that you can kind of take throughout the day. And I think, I think that's, that's that edge that, makes makes the difference between winning and losing a day for me anyway um and i can i can imagine you know i can empathize with you as to why you know you, you would you know you you would pick those things over over you know watching t sitting on the couch watching tv and so on absolutely you know you know mm. you brought up a really great beautiful point about <laughs> creating difficulty in your life mm -hmm. and at the gym the nice thing about going to the gym is you could always put more weights on you could always pick the next level of resistance mm -hmm. the next yep. hurdle is really easy to get to it's, it's right mm -hmm. in front of you the whole time mm. but in some of these other areas of interest uh it's not so clear like i'll give you an example i could play chess and I could keep beating everyone who's worse than me and I could right. get a lot of satisfaction. And, but will I grow? Will I go through a difficulty? Mm -hmm. No. Mm -hmm. and, I, and so sometimes I think it's a trap because mm. it's, it's not necessarily the obvious or easy thing to do. But yeah, right. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Hmm. So oftentimes, you know, um, I guess, I guess the difference here is, you know, something like chess or, or, you know, teaching yourself, you know, Mandarin or whatever it is. I think it's more of a problem solving, 
um, tendency that you have, uh, which in my case probably doesn't apply so much because I, you know, uh, as you said, the next level of resistance is pretty obvious. You just add another barbell, right? Um, so yeah, I, I, I think I think that problem solving thing is probably probably something that you crave more than <laughs> more than uh, most people I know, which is which is super interesting. Yeah, definitely crave it more than a, another set of barbells or another <laughs> set of weights on. <laughs> Dad joke. All right, man. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so, so just so just backtrack a little bit. One one thing that you mentioned that was super interesting was um, was that you taught yourself. You know, you, you you were looking for something to do which was fun, as well as challenging. So you decided to teach yourself uh, Mandarin. <laughs> right so yeah. so yeah so i can understand how that's challenging and how your kind of you know desire to solve problems might might kind of lead you towards that what's your what i'm curious to know is what's your idea what's your criteria of of fun because <laughs> you, you said this is fun and challenging what, what would you <laughs> you know what do you see as fun like like what do you do for fun and and yeah Man, that's a tough question. <laughs> um, <laughs> man, you know, okay, so, you know, here's something that's fun. Creating a feedback loop for yourself. Um, okay. Simple, trivial example is your parents growing up say, get an A. Mm-hmm. or don't come home no <laughs> and uh i don't think that's you're, uncommon you're motiv- in, in many um yeah in, yeah, in but, many communities but mean, yeah but the pressure the pressure for someone else to say uh please go above and beyond and do this and you come back and you've done it and you show it to them and they're they're satisfied to me mm-hmm. that kind of feedback uh-huh. loop where other people uh are like pleased with or happy with what I'm doing is, Mm -hmm. is kind of really uh, uplifting for me. So, Mm -hmm. so Spanish feedback loop, when I was dating um, my Mm ex-girlfriend, the feedback loop was there all the time. I learned a couple Mm -hmm. new phrases, a couple new words. I throw them at her. Mm -hmm. She's, she's very pleased with with what I'm doing Uh, at, at work. If uh, I work at smaller startup companies, so it's, it's a lot of uh, building product from the ground up. Yeah, yeah. I, I build something like a new nav bar and people, my boss is satisfied. Wow, this looks great. Mm. Um, I have found that it's hard. Yeah. yeah, I have found that it's hard to, to keep going with something if I don't have in place a feedback loop with another human being. Mm. Interesting. Um, okay. That being said, do you still practice things like Chinese? Because I know you've, uh, you mentioned to me, you've never been to China. You, um, uh, like you, you just got your passport made a couple of years ago. I remember this. Yeah. Uh, I was, we were in the house and you, you were super happy because you got a passport. <laughs> have, you, yeah. have, you, like, have you left the country yet? And you no, know, what, what no. kind of feedback loop do you have with like Mandarin? So Mandarin, my feedback loop has been music. Uh, oh, okay. I had a lot of 
I had a lot of Chinese speak, speaking friends, Mandarin speaking friends in Boston. And so that yeah. actually was a pretty solid support system. And we would mm-hmm. go sing karaoke because Chinese people love to sing karaoke. And so do yeah. I. So yeah, fair enough. Singing some of their favorite, singing some of their favorite songs relatively mm. beautifully with a good mm. accent and good flow. Mm. I, that was one of my feedback loops. Okay. Huh. And uh, since then, to be honest, uh, I don't practice Chinese as much as I used to. It's amazing mm. that I can still um, I can still read Chinese very well. Uh, if I spoke to you right now in Chinese, it probably wouldn't sound that great. It would make sense. It might not sound that great. Yeah. Uh, Spanish, yeah. Spanish on the other hand has been only getting stronger because yeah, because your my wife's Spanish. Fa- my wife's, yeah. <laughs> my wife's uh, family. Yeah. Yeah. Mexican, right? Yep. Yeah, man. I'm just fascinated by this whole Mandarin thing because like most people I know that take up a new language is either spend some time in that, in that country where, where the, you know, where the language um, derives from or, Mm -hmm. you know, they've just got a cultural interest uh, (laughs) in, in that, in that language. No one that I know, except you're probably the only person that I know, learn mandarin because it's fun and it's challenging so yeah well <laughs> along the way you, you find yeah. out that linguistically chinese is very exciting um really yeah I, linguistically it's it's <laughs> uh, i'm amazed by it i love it um mm-hmm. do you hope so, to one day travel to china and be able to like get that feedback loop of uh have holding a conversation with a uh, you know, with locals. And my, my problem is I never really had a, a long-term plan of how to sustain learning Chinese. Mm-hmm. I still plan to go to China. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm thinking in 2020 or 2021. Oh, but okay, cool. Yeah, I still have plans. Because um, you're going to come to Australia right. in 2019, so. Okay. Yeah. What's happening in So it can't be before 2020. Fair enough. Yeah, go on. <laughs> <laughs> uh so I, I still plan to go and I still plan to, I haven't given up Chinese, but definitely I've turned the the speed. I was going at like 70 miles an hour when I met you. Mm-hmm. And now I've got it at like a steady five to 10 miles per hour. Oh, so okay. it hasn't, it hasn't left my life, but yeah. since the beginning, there hasn't been a clear, like, okay, how does this fit into my life? Yeah, uh, right. Where, where am I going to get? How yeah. how can I use this? <laughs> mm, mm, mm. You can go to Singapore. I went to Singapore recently for work, and um, <clears throat> yeah, one I think Mandarin is one of the um, one of the primary languages. Obviously, they've got like four or five different languages because of the different right. um, quote unquote races that that you know exist in in that country. That's you know they refer to them as as the different races. So the dominant uh, race in Singapore is Chinese. And then goes Malay, and then Indian, um, yeah, Indian, and then um, and then Caucasian. So, so yeah, China, you know, if if you live there, then it's it's quite common for you to be able to speak Mandarin or you know one of those languages. Um, but everyone, everyone knows English, which is really really cool because you know if you do get lost and you know if you if it is if if it is your second language then the, you know people can correct you so it's not just diving into the deep end oh that's very nice yeah 
in a nutshell, visit Singapore. <laughs> just did a just did a pitch to you for Singapore. Anyway, uh, I'm but, actually um, sold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. Is there anything um, else that's kind of exciting to you right now? Is there any um, like what do you kind of see as your uh, next challenge, if if anything? I, I know a lot has changed since we uh, last met. Uh, you've you've got a beautiful family now. Um, so yeah, congratulations again. Um, you know, uh, Annie, Thank Ellie, you. and and Elena as well. Um, beautiful Thank you. Yeah. Girl. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's one-year-old daughter? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's it's really it's really nice to see, man. I, I I said to you off the air as well. Like I've literally seen your transition into like you know going from a college kid into you know into a a working professional, and now you're a family man who's you know like married and has a one-year-old daughter so that's that's in in such a short space of time um super impressive and 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 really nice to see you, dude so thank you really I cool appreciate it yeah it, uh, it, what else is kind of interesting or interesting to you now, right now and and what do you see as kind of your next challenge if if anything so something i noticed throughout this journey is that you can't master something unless you go very narrow and very deep mm-hmm. um i've like you pointed out I've, I've become somewhat of an expert in a lot of various things i've mm-hmm. pushed the needle that far mm-hmm. but for me to become sort of a master mm-hmm. i need to narrow in and so i realized that so long as i'm going to be a software engineer mm-hmm. i need to go deep in right. software engineering i need to go narrow and deep and so right. that's something that is taking up um, a lot of my spare time now cool. but besides that i've been cooking a lot and um, <laughs> yeah not like mac and cheese and, and uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. like proper cooking like gordon ramsay and cooking. cereal yeah. absolutely uh i that's like a new hobby it's absolutely my new hobby your release uh, your outlet your yeah, creative expression I, yeah, and and there's some cons of part of it too. Like now, I'll go to a restaurant and I'll be like, "What the? F-? Oh, I don't know if I can." <laughs> yeah, but, I get it. No, it's all good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What the hell? Uh, I cook mm. better than this. This is shit. This- <laughs> <laughs> and then it's only because um. I I've been cooking like at least five days a week for the past two years. Um, right you know, on the journey of building this family and whatnot, and I've come a long way, but that's something that I'll consistently need to do to survive. Yeah. And so I don't see myself just hitting sort of just hitting, like just hitting expert that. level. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, I'm really driven by it. It's something I wake up and think about, am I going to make scrambled eggs? How am I going to make them? What am I going to put them with? What's in the fridge? It's a constant problem solving endeavor. Yeah. It's so awesome, dude. Yeah, awesome. 2018. I'm a dad now, and my hobbies are cooking. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, it's uh, it's interesting, dude. Like, you know, I'm excited to see what you know, like what you do with your newfound hobby, and whether you kind of move on to other challenges, and how deep you go. I honestly wish you all the best with um, with uh, the the new startup you're working on. What's the name of that again uh, um it's uh allo.ai it's uh allo.ai you can so how do you spell that a l o e dot a i o e yep dot a i and do you want to um just you know for the listeners just explain what it's about and you know where they can find it 
Uh, so you can find it at allo.ai. Um, yep. No com, uh, just allo.ai. Mm -hmm. And um, we're sort of, I want to say revolutionizing. That sounds too fancy. Uh, You're revolutionizing well, it, mate. Go on. This is, I told you, <laughs> go in, don't hold back. This is re re revolutionizing the way people take notes at work. We're revolutionizing the way people take notes at work. With new yeah, technologies okay. such as the, app, the Apple Pencil, tablets yeah. uh, with pencils, all the rage. And to be honest, I think it's great. I use it myself. Cool. Uh, the existing structure of folders and file systems just doesn't work anymore. So mm -hmm. applications like Evernote or uh, Dropbox, mm -hmm. uh, when you're in a team, staying organized and staying organized yourself, let alone with a team with a bunch of folders and files is a mess. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so we're seeking to solve that problem by giving you a way to take notes and then not have to think about how you're going to recall them later. So that was, that's mm -hmm. where the AI comes in with artificial Very intelligence. Important. We're, we're going to help you um, have sort of perfect memory, perfect recall yeah. on the notes you've taken over the, over the years. Cool. Very important. Dude. If I have a meeting, I've got to spend like, you know, um, firstly, 10 minutes trying to summarize this meeting into a note, into like a paragraph, and then another, mm -hmm. you know, two to five minutes typing it out. So if I can save that 15 minutes in a day, why wouldn't I, you know? So, uh, so yeah, dude, I, I'm definitely going to check it out for myself. Perfect. That's awesome. Cool. All right, Brian, uh, appreciate your time, my friend. Um, Honestly, wish you all the best with with everything that you're doing at the moment. You're a you're a great man. You're a family man, and you are a man of many talents. So I keep up the good work. I, yeah, <laughs> I appreciate you inviting me onto your show. Um, I appreciate all the compliments. I don't deserve any of them. So <laughs> I I appreciate everything. No worries, and, uh, all, my friend. I, ho I hope to see you soon in real in real time. In real life. All right. <laughs> yeah. Life. I hope to see you soon too, dude. And um, yeah, uh, I'm sure we'll line something up over the, over the next kind of year or two. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right, mate. Well, thank you for your time. And uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll catch up with you uh, at a later stage and to all the listeners, thank you for joining us and we will catch you on uh, the next episode. Thanks.